Welcome to the Nova Church's podcast. We are a vibrant, dynamic, multicultural church in Alexandria, Virginia. Join us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. For more information, go to www.thenovachurch.com. We're excited to share this week's message with you. God bless. When Pastor Travis asked me to preach a little while ago, I thought I knew the direction uh, that God was going. And this week, all the way up until yesterday, God decided to shift something. And I feel very confidently that God wants us to really lay hold onto the importance of what the Word says about serving, not just about like how we necessarily feel, but what the Word of God says. If you have, oh, just really quick, if you have a young kid, uh, we are dismissing Sunday school at this time, um, so they aren't bored with me. <laughs> you all are stuck. <laughs> but if you are turning your Bibles, uh, we'll be starting in Matthew 16 and verse 24. Matthew 16 and verse 24. Praise God. And it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Everyone say, deny himself. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it that a man, if he gains the whole world, and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. For the next few moments today, I hope that uh, in the reading of this word that you will have a, a more precise understanding of what it means to have a servant's heart. Amen? And with that, you may be seated. So today, our church is having our ministry fair for the first time since before COVID, uh, since we were at the uh, school. For those of you who were at the last ministry fair at the school, raise your hands. All right, so those of you who are not, you are in for a special, special service. Um, but as we prepare to approach these booths that Pastor Travis was uh, talking about earlier, it's vitally important that we understand not just the need to serve, but how we must posture our hearts in serving. So before we approach the heart of the matter, it's important that we establish the necessity of following Christ in the form of living as a servant. And you may say to yourself, wait a second, Tim, did you just say necessity to serve? Are you telling me that I have to serve? Are you saying it's necessary to serve to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, the short answer is yes. Now, some of you might be saying, well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I know Ephesians chapter 2 says in verse 8 that it is, for, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And this is true. I am in no way, hear me now, I am in no way suggesting that you or I can earn our salvation, because we know that salvation in and of itself is a gift from God. But we must not forget what it says in the book of James chapter 2. If you're turning along, James chapter 2, starting in verse 14, says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which they needed for the body, what does it profit? 
Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, what that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Everyone say dead faith. It's faith without works. It's belief without action. It's commitment without effort. And do you think that people with dead faith are going to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, Jesus doesn't leave it to our opinions. Instead, he paints a very clear picture for what eternal judgment will look like in Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. And it says, when the Son of Man, aka Jesus is speaking of himself, when the Son of Man comes into his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations gather before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him and saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did unto me. I'm just going to pause for a minute because uh, how many of you were here uh, for Mission 25 all those years ago? Does anyone remember Mission 25? So seven years and 11 months ago to the very day today, Nova Church participated in what you might call a radical day of servanthood, and it was life-changing. Just like Pastor said, you don't always have to go to Cambodia to serve. There's plenty of opportunities. So I'm just going to paint the picture here. The night before... Uh, we all get together uh, with Pastor Travis's cousin, Brother Matt, and uh, we all pool our resources together, and we, we fill up all these bags that we're going to go to the homeless shelter. And we had four main things on our agenda that next day. We were going to go to the homeless shelter in the morning and uh, provide breakfast and, and visit and uh, offer care. And immediately, we're going to shoot up to the VA hospital in D.C., and we were going to wash wheelchairs for the disabled veterans, and then we we're going to go through the hospital and pray over the sick. And then from there, we were going to go back to the homeless shelter on 2nd and D, and we were going to serve this amazing chili that was brought down. Do you all remember Brother Combs who did the church service? His dad came all the way from New Jersey with this amazing slow-cooked chili that he prepared especially for these people who were in need. And then after that, we were going to take a break and then go back to this other battered women's shelter and give food and give them dinner and give them toys. It wasn't Christmas yet, but we were going to have a Christmas celebration with these kids, and we were all very excited. And 
I can tell you, as the day progressed on, so we, we broke bread in the, in the best way you could with, with donuts. That's the best form of bread that can be broken, in my opinion. Uh, but we, we broke donut bread and coffee in the morning. And then as we went up to the VA hospital, something just started to shift in our attitudes. Like, we were so excited. And we were washing these wheelchairs. And, you know, the smell wasn't pleasant, but our, our spirits were uplifted. Like, man, we're doing something. And then we went through the hospital, all these sick people who were ridden in their beds, you know, calling us in, yes, please, please pray for me. And this just attitude of servanthood took hold of us. And we were like, man, I... I don't know if these next two things are going to be enough. I need to serve more. So as we were driving back to serve lunch, a few of us were driving together, and we saw a group of, uh, we didn't count, we saw a group of these homeless people on this small little grass patch in an intersection in D.C. And right near up the block was this subway. And we thought to ourselves, you know what? We got, we got a few extra minutes. Why don't we just feed all these people? And we didn't have a whole lot of money. Like, we donated a lot of money to the main event. And I'm like, you know what? We're, we're just going to do this. So we go into the subway. And we say, hey, we need six foot-long subs cut up into four pieces. And this subway, he's the only guy there, and he's looking at me, he's like, why? <laughs> and we said, you see all those homeless people out there that are there every day? He's like, yeah. I said, we're going we're gonna to go feed those people. And you should have seen the look on his face. He got so excited. I mean, his countenance lifted, and he went to work. And I don't know, how many of you have been to Subway? Just raise your hands. So I, it's safe to say you all have had a bad sandwich before. And so, I mean, when you, go, when you go to Subway, think about it. Like, when you go, you're like, okay, just a, when you get to the mayonnaise or the sauce, okay, just a little. Just a, a little bit of mayonnaise. And be like, I got you. That's good, right? And it's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so... But this guy, he laid out all the sandwiches, and he was doing with precision. I have never seen a Subway employee more excited about their job than when this young man found out he was having the opportunity to feed a whole group of people. And we're looking at these sandwiches, and we knew the group was big, and we're like, man, I don't know if we're going to have enough. So we just started praying, like, God, let no one be unfed. Like, we're, bless our efforts, Jesus. Bless our efforts. And the guy's like, we're going to throw in bags of chips so everyone gets a full meal. And we went over there. And, of course, we got swarmed, but it was amazing. We handed out all the sandwiches, and no one left hungry. Everyone got a meal, because God bless those efforts. And that's truly the heart of servanthood, where it's like, you know what? I don't, I don't know how God's going to see this through, but I know God's going to bless his efforts. If we just give of everything we have, and we give with the right attitude and the excitement that this is what Jesus has called us to do, then we will be successful. Amen? Amen. Now, going back to the scripture, though, Jesus paints a picture for what happens to the goats. And I don't mean the goats like LeBron. I mean the goats like the ones that are getting separated here. And he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Surely I say unto you, inasmuch as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
And Jesus gives another reference to this day of judgment because I'm sure some of these goats, as they're being ushered along to the left, they're going to call out as those in Matthew 7 and verse 21 and 23, where Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, many of these goats, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. How can this be? How can it be that a person can exercise these works of faith and belief in Jesus and do all these mighty works for the kingdom and still somehow find themselves confused on the day of judgment, not making it in? Well, I think we have a glimpse of what that looks like in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 3, where it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. This is what Jesus means when he declares all these people who performed mighty works in his name to be those who practice lawlessness. They are walking without the understanding the law of love that Jesus has brought to us. What do I mean by the law of love? I mean the law that Jesus gave in John 13, 34, where he says, this new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we see that Jesus doesn't just weigh our reward on service alone, but the attitude in which we are serving as well. For Proverbs 21.2 even says, every way of a man is right in their own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And we also see that God calls us to not just walk in the works of faith, but to do it uh, heartily. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. A lot of times we're discouraged in our service because we think, well, this person really doesn't deserve my generosity. This, I, you know, I have a lot of things to do. I, I really don't, uh, you know, see why I should be doing this. Or we have just the wrong posture of heart. But the thing is, we must always posture our hearts in the way that we are serving God in our service, no matter who we are giving this service to. Now with that, I know you're probably thinking, okay, I see the word, I see the the, the necessity to serve, serve, excuse me, and I see the, the, I have the heart, I want to do it, but I I just don't know. I I don't feel qualified, I'm not well read, I'm not well studied, you know, I, I... you know, you, I might have the, a certain type of handicap or disability that prevents me from doing certain things. I, I just don't know. Philippians 4.13 gives us that assurance that says, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. This scripture isn't just meant to encourage us that we have overcoming power of sin. It's to encourage us that no matter what stage of life we are in, no matter what our circumstances are, Jesus gives us the ability to serve to the greatest capacity. You can You can do it. And one of the biggest deceptions the enemy tries to convince us of is that we're simply too busy to take on anything that requires additional effort or sacrifice from us. We think that if we choose to dedicate more effort to the kingdom of God, that that, that would be the thing that drains us. On the contrary, 
The Spirit of God fills us up with the energy and the capacity and the resources we need to serve. And no matter how drained you might feel, the world is going to drain you just as much, friends. Though you can, you can go and serve the world without God, but you're going to feel just as drained. Your flesh might feel edified, but your spirit will be empty. And when you come into that service of God, your heart will be filled with that joy. That joy that I told you about, that Subway cook had, that chef, where it's just like, man, this is what it means. This is like... I have purpose now behind what I'm doing. I'm not just making a sandwich. I'm making a sandwich for Jesus. It might sound silly, but it's the word of God, and it's the truth. So, and the, and the importance is not just to do it itself, but to do it with a posture of love. First Corinth, and with that, we can go down and say, well, what does it look like? How am I serving? And we can go through this checklist on 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8, commonly used in weddings, but should frequently and always be used when we are determining is my attitude right when I serve. So it says, love suffers long as, and is kind. Are you serving with patience? Are you serving with kindness and a smile and generosity? Love does not envy. Are we comparing ourselves to others in our service? Like, well, I'm not going to serve because, you know, I'm not behind the pulpit. Or, well, I don't want to serve because I, I want to do this, but, you know, I just, uh, I can't do it because someone else is doing it. Love does not envy. We cannot compare ourselves to our brothers and sisters, especially when we are serving as unto the Lord. We should be comparing ourselves to Jesus. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. We can't be serving simply as a means to elevate ourselves and be like, look at me, look at my servanthood. We must be doing it with a posture of humility. Love does not behave rudely. We don't just, I, I can't stand when people say, when they might get into a tip with someone like, okay, well, be blessed. It's like, yeah, you really meant that when you said that. <laughs> love does not seek its own. As we know today, serving, you know, it's not, our service is not self-seeking. Our service is outbound and loving. Love is not provoked. That is a hard one. It's like yours truly is sometimes easily provoked. But in our service, we must have that patience and to know that the enemy is going to try to provoke us, going to try to break us, but we have to remain strong. Love thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. If you are making the efforts to serve others in the name of the Lord with the motives of a servant's heart, which is founded in love, you will succeed, and you will find yourself among the Lord's righteous sheep, hearing those words we all yearn to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's all stand this morning. Matthew 20, 26 through 28 says, Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love that, you know, Jesus calls us to serve, but he's not calling us to do anything he hasn't already done himself. He's not calling us to do anything he hasn't already done for us personally. He is calling us to serve others in the exact way he served us, selflessly, filled with love and compassion and unto the glory of God. Right now, with every hand lifted, I just, we're just going to pray that God would put upon us a servant's heart and a servant's mind. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, we call out to you, and 
Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can know and understand the necessity, Lord Jesus, to serve you, God. For you have called us into repentance, and surely we are saved by faith. But God, you did not call us into a walk of repentance simply to stand still and stagnant, for you are always moving. You are always working. You are always giving of yourself unto your people, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we wish to serve in that same capacity, Lord, with an outbound love, Lord Jesus, as you've called us to love one another and to love our neighbors, Lord Jesus, and to serve those who are in need. God, we thank you for the opportunities, Lord Jesus, to serve you in this way. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we can also keep that understanding of love, God, that we would not be weary in the well-doing of servanthood, Lord Jesus, but we would be exalted to a new place, Lord Jesus, Lord, of compassion and empathy, Lord, for the lost, God, that we would have that encouragement and desire to spread light in the form of servanthood, both in spreading the gospel of your word, but also in sharing and resources and, and provision unto those in need. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you already for the many wonderful servants that you have put in this church, and I thank you, God, for those who are joining us in this path of servanthood and devotion to you. And we declare all these things in Jesus' name we pray, and let the church say amen with a hand clap of praise today.